Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In the not-too-distant future, there will be no civilization. There will be no heroes. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. My name is Armand and I'll be your guide as we take a trip to the Grindhouse Theater, as this season will be all about the strange, the thrilling, and the exotic. Joining me are the hosts of the horror podcast, Shaken, Not Scared, Vivi and Eric. Eric and Vivi, welcome to Syndicate. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> well, I am glad that you are a part of this season. You guys are a horror podcast. And before we get into the film that we watched today, I have to ask, can you tell our listeners more about your show, Shaken, Not Scared? Yeah, so as the name might suggest, we are a horror and horror cocktail podcast. So every other week we pick a movie and try to make a themed drink to go with it. Uh, for the most part, it's just me and Eric on there, but we do team up with other podcasts in the space. And we try to just have fun with the genre because it can be it can be a little judgy sometimes and we're just trying to have fun with movies. Yeah, people are too intimidating. and just need to <laughs> relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. We- you know, might as well grab a drink and talk about what's good and bad about these movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like the best part of horror is like you can have fun with it. And I feel like a lot of people give horror a bad rap. And it's like, you know, the genre is all about it's not about it's more than just being scared. It's also like it's thrilling and exciting. And what better way to personify that or exaggerate that uh, experience than to have like a drink in hand and watching these uh, awesome movies. Right. You get. Such a roller coaster of emotions too with some of them. You know, you could laugh, you could be super afraid, you could get really serious. You know, psychological horror is a, a huge deal right now. Get super disturbed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, also, I think it's interesting that a lot of people 
hold horror in such a bad light sometimes when it comes to comparing it to other movies. And a lot of people get their start in horror. So Oh, so many. You know, kind of interesting how people just <laughs> push it down. Yeah, like, I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, my friends and I, like, we cut our teeth on horror films uh, during our adolescence that we would go to Blockbuster. This is how long ago it was. We went to Blockbuster, <laughs> and, like, we would get, like, a stack of DVDs, like, two feet tall of, like, all the horror that uh, Blockbuster had. And, like, we would go to, like, independence uh, DVD rental places because, like, you know, Blockbuster just didn't have like the type of horror that we were looking for. We were looking for like, you know, the Halloweens, the original Halloween or Friday the 13th and like those older films. Well, Blockbuster at the time had like the newer titles, The Grudge, The Ring, mm. which is which are old now. But like back then, yeah. it was like, oh, these movies just came out. Sixth Sense. Yeah, those are those are the classics. You know, it's funny that we're also just in this. We've said it too before on our show that there's this just renaissance of just different creators in horror. Um, you get so many genres, so many types of movies. I feel like even just opinions on horror have kind of evolved with it because you could look at a very crappy horror and be like, wow, this is so good <laughs> in a different way. And yeah. then you could look at a very like um, elevated and, and quote unquote elevated <laughs> yeah, uh, horror movie and be like, well, this this kind of just missed the mark. Like we just recently saw Men, spoiler alert, and we, we came out that movie and we're like, we, I really don't know what that was. And even if you think about it, it's like, I mean, maybe we're just, we're just not the audience for it because we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Side tangent, like that film, it's weird because it's a horror film, but it's coming from Alex Garland, who's known for science fiction, like with Annihilation and Ex Machina. So I was very surprised when he made a horror film, just straight horror film, Men. And when it came out, I was like, this is a little strange. I didn't see it. And then now with everything that's going on in the world, it's like, whoa, this is a little um, relevant now, having a horror <laughs> film just called Men. It's like, well, that is a pretty scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and it, like you said ex machina and um what was it? annihilation i love both of those movies but yeah yeah man was just um, odd Missed just the odd. Mark. <laughs> yeah long story short it's like well you said it right Vivi, that it's like a man trying to tell women about m how men traumatize women yeah it's directed produced produced by men and it's like they're mansplaining to you how terrible men are and it's like <laughs> we kind of know sometimes <laughs> <laughs> But that's just our take. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. Because I, I know literally nothing about that movie other than one actor plays a bunch of different guys in the movie. That's really all I know. And uh, you have that one main woman character. She was in yeah. The Lost Daughter. Don't get us wrong. The, the movie does have creepy elements. And it's like until the, the end where you just don't get it. It is, it is horrifying. Like the guy is creepy because he, oh, his he is face is on creepy. several characters and even when like the little kid. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. That's the worst one. Yeah. We had a hard time explaining this to somebody over the weekend. So if we sound crazy, that's just, <laughs> you go watch it. <laughs> is it worth watching? Be honest. For free. <laughs> it, yeah. If it's streaming somewhere for free. <laughs> for free, quote unquote. Oh, okay. right? Yeah. It's streaming. Free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I should sail the seven seas and check this out. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> okay well we we beat around the bush so let's talk about the film that we watched today so we got three tickets to the grindhouse theater and we saw mad max uh the original one from 1979 so i pitched this to you so i have to ask you how did you like were you familiar with this film franchise before selecting uh this film to watch today 
So, yes, we had seen the latest installment, Mad Max Fury Road, in theaters when it had come out. And actually, that was my first introduction to the series. I hadn't watched the originals. So when you sent the list, I'm like, this is a perfect time to watch the original one. Right. Yeah, I had heard and seen uh, of the other ones, right? Growing up, I had uh, probably seen them on TV, especially the, what is it, the Thunderdome one? I think that's the third one. Um, yeah, it's the but, third one. Yeah, and so watching Fury Road 2, I think, going back to watch this one now uh, was hard. And I, I think that watching it in the reverse, so if you saw Mad Max from 79 first and then Fury Road, it's it's cool to see the evolution of what that story could be. But then in the reverse, it was hard to not judge this one based on Fury Road. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I had the same sentiments as both of you, uh, Vivi and Eric. Like, the, my first introduction to this world was uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And I saw it in IMAX when it was in theaters. And I was the only one in the theater because I saw it late. And the theater, I don't know if it was just my theater, but like the sound was so loud. <laughs> I couldn't hear, I couldn't understand the dialogue in the film because like the soundtrack was so booming. And so like, I was like, Oh my God. Um, but it was an awesome experience. I truly enjoyed it, uh, with all the actors, Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron. And I always wanted to dive into the world of Mad Max. I've heard about these films, Mad Max, Road Warrior, Into the Thunderdome, but I never got around to watching them. So for this season, I was like, you oh, know, let me, let me add Mad Max to the short list. And, Going back to it, like I agree with you, Eric, it was surprising. It was also difficult to watch because like when you think of Mad Max, you think of like this post-apocalyptic world where society has fallen apart and you have like these mutant people and everyone's fighting over gasoline and watching the original one, Mad Max, the world is still intact. Society is still intact, unraveling a bit. Um, but it's not fully destroyed yet. So I was like really surprised watching this. I was like, oh, this isn't quite what I had in mind with this film. I went in completely blind and it was it was almost like a Saturday morning cartoon version of Mad Max Fury Road, in my opinion. That is a perfect way to put it, because I was watching it and thinking this is like a made for TV movie <laughs> with the music and the very dramatic acting. <laughs> I wonder if that was the point, right? Yeah. When you talk about like Fury Road, uh, Armand, that it was super loud, that the music was too much in some cases. I feel like that w that's what made the movie awesome in some cases, because it's all about just these revving cars and these people being chaotic. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how do we deal with this type of world? And sometimes, the you know, watching it that way and being like, I just don't know what's going on. There's too much noise. There's too much this and that. That's how you would feel, I guess, in that type of scenario. And with uh, Mad Max from 79, I think it, it got the gist of it's just people chasing each other and getting revenge and there's no real plot. I felt like the plot was kind of just, all right, well, we even even Mad Max is a character. I was like, he wasn't even mad till like the last five minutes, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like at the end of the film, which we'll get into, like, I felt like, OK, finally, Mad Max is here. Like he has like the all black leather outfit on. He has his iconic car. He has the sawed off shotgun. I was like, all right, we have Mad Max. Finally, we went through like the entire film just to get where uh, we know the character as his iconic uh, aesthetic. And I was just like this. The plot was at the wayside. And 
I will have to say that the best aspect of this film was the action. Like George Miller, like I know he went from like with Fury Road, um, these crazy stunts, people jumping from car to car. We have a guitars with flame coming out of the head of the guitar to like these over dramatic acting, these weird musical stings that fade to black, like it was made for TV, like you're saying, Vivi. And it's like, oh, wow, this is quite a tonal shift from where he started to where he ended up. But the consistency lies with the action. It's like, okay, the action sequences, it's like, okay, I could see where he would evolve eventually with Fury Road. Right. And uh, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Like watching this after watching Fury Road, I don't know if you saw the part where they're taking over that one gas truck and there's a guy who vaults over it with this pole. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe he took that same idea from uh, to, to do it, but in the grander scale for Fury Road, where they're they're you know rocking back and forth on those giant poles while driving. Um, right. And think- then Q Key's Burn, who's toe cutter in this, I I saw him the the moment I saw him, I was like that guy's face, his forehead, you know, because that's all we see in Fury Road. I was like his forehead and his eyebrows look really familiar. Is that the guy from? Is that Morton Joe? And then yeah, it was confirmed once I looked it up. Wait, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, um, toe cutter is Morton Joe. Oh my god, that isn't. I did, I had no idea. That's crazy. It looks just like him. He's well, forehead up, right? <laughs> but uh, it looks just like him. His eyebrows are very unique. I'd say he's got very uh, uh what do you call them? I don't Arched. know how to describe it. Yeah, bulbous eyebrows. <laughs> bulbous eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think kind of to go back to what you were saying, where we see elements of it in this first film, and then just jump to the last film fury road i think it has to do with budget because i'm pretty sure this film had like a very small budget and 350k to be exact yeah and it went on to make like millions so the sequels obviously got bigger budgets and bigger budgets going forward so i also read something i'm sorry to keep going on it but i also read something that the that the fact that they had such a low budget had to be written in the story basically that they didn't have the ability to make any uh, real special effects so they had to work with very old uh, equipment uh, the cars were borrowed you know so it, it, they added basically like hey we're in a you know kind of falling apart society just because we don't have money oh that makes sense <laughs> i don't That's know how funny. true that is but. <laughs> i mean it makes sense like use what you have access to um and if you don't have a whole lot of money you know you can't go too too wild, too outlandish. You know, I have to keep it grounded a little bit. So, yeah, I can definitely see that this film was like super low budgets, but they made it work. They really did. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say that this would work as a comic book. I don't know where Mad Max started. Um, I don't know if it started with this first film, but it had a huge comic book vibe. You had the, uh, I forgot what they called themselves, the police officers. And then you had oh yes the the writers, right? It it gives off even the way that it ends is like this is how a, like the first issue of a comic book would end where you're introduced to the the main hero where they've you know dealt with all the strife and they've gotten their revenge and then at the end Mad Max is standing there like you said with his sawed off shotgun and he's got the leather and he's finally mad and you're like whoa this comic book's gonna be great where's the rest of it <laughs> yeah where's it's an origin two? story yeah <laughs> yes exactly and like. That perfectly sums it up. Like, I got those vibes when watching it because, like, you know, his patrol is called Main Force Patrol and, like, their headquarters is the Hall of Justice. And I was like, 
what the hell am I watching? Is this like <laughs> the Super Friends? Is Superman <laughs> going to pop into this? Like, what, what is this? But yeah, it totally felt like, I was like, this is like the origin story of where this anti-hero came from because like he had it all. And let's truly get into the film now. So before we go into our main discussion, listeners of the show know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. Stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here in Syndicate today, we're going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock. Okay, Vivi, Eric, I need you to summarize the film Mad Max 1979 within one minute while avoiding major spoilers. Are you two ready? I, I hope. I'm nervous. <laughs> um, okay, we can I do this Eric's one of two ways. Cover this one. <laughs> Eric, you want to volunteer as tribute? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> okay, we're going to start in three, two, one, go. So we're many years into the future. It's not exact. It's 1979, so it didn't really happen. But there are these people who they uh, who are basically a biker gang. They have a leader named Knight Rider. And long story short, these police officers who act kind of like a superhero team kill him and their biker gang want revenge so we have our main character mad max who seems to be like the the, the popular one amongst all the police and they s- strike him on the wrong side because they accidentally no not accidentally they kill his friend i won't say who for spoilers but <laughs> <laughs> they he mad max is like all right well that's not my friend anymore but i don't want anything to do with this i'm gonna take a vacation he goes <laughs> off with his family his uh the bikers are still like we're gonna go and get this guy because we want to continue our revenge and then they do things to mad max that make him go mad so <laughs> i think that's pretty much it <laughs> wow with like one second to spare you wow. did a great job <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this this film is quite interesting because like not a whole lot happens in this in this 90 minute film, but enough happens to have a story. And the story is is that Mad Max is kind of a cop in the near future fighting off rogue biker gangs that are up to no good. And that's pretty much the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a prequel to Judge Dredd, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It's also a dystopian future. Now, um, I I do want to say that on top of that elevator pitch, there are a lot of like what moments. Um, I, I was bringing up to Vivi this morning. I was like, "There's that scene where he tells his cop friends that Goose isn't his friend anymore. He's like that thing in there is not my friend. So like, I mean, I mean, he is. He's still alive, sir. He's still there. <laughs> Such a bad way to look at your friend. Yeah, like his his partner gets. Messed up, gets burnt alive uh, from the biker gang. And like, it's not shown to the audience. And, you know, kudos for George Miller to just having our imagination fill in the fill in the blanks. But like his reaction was a little weird, like that thing in there is not my friend. And he storms off and it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like you're angry and stuff and you're like scorn, but it's like. Yeah, your whole squad is there. <laughs> You're doing it in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah the other thing was that uh, none of the deaths were clear. Like you said, it, it is left to our imagination. But even like Goose's death, at that point, he's still clearly alive. And then later they're like, oh, he had his whole life ahead of him. And I'm like, wait, he died? They didn't show it. But I guess, yeah, you could assume. Or um, earlier in the film, when they crash, the the two cops that we see at the beginning, one of them gets his neck 
cut by the glass after they crash. And I'm like, oh, man, he's dead. And then later mm-hmm. he's got that little monitor thing to help him talk. I was like, oh, so he's not dead. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of just, oh, OK, I guess that's that's truth now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I think that's where the low budget aspect of the film comes in. Like, I have a feeling, you know, if you're going to set something up like that, like, oh, his 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 partner got mortally wounded and he's like disfigured. You're gonna, probably going to have him come in later in the film and do something he's just gone so i feel like maybe they just didn't have access to that actor anymore it's like well let's just write him out of the script uh, you can't come yeah. back for filming <laughs> he can only ride a motorcycle for so long you know <laughs> uh it's the like, other thing oh, he's he's busy <laughs> <laughs> right the other thing with uh goose's death i mean I, I don't know how how far we're going into it here but with goose's death i was like there were so many chances for him to not die that he just was looking to die at that point. There's so many moments like that in this film where you think characters are goners and they keep fighting and keep coming back with his wife, especially. It They're was goners, like, but then in dialogue, you're like, oh, they're dead. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because her wounds also are like, oh, she succumbed to her wounds later on off screen. We don't really <laughs> see any of it. Well, that that was with her getting run over, yeah. isn't it? Also, I don't imagine, I don't know, someone let us know, but I don't think running someone over on a motorcycle is that easy. <laughs> I think you'd fall off it's, your bike. It's multiple of them, though. It was, one, of, right. one of you would still fall. Yeah. I don't know. The person on the front, you can't just... Riding a motorcycle is hard. I ride a motorcycle, I can't imagine crashing into something and not losing control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you wouldn't make it no. in this post-apocalyptic world. No, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, I had a really big moped that I would ride around. And I've fallen off of it at least twice. And one of them, I was taking a shortcut. And I was going through a construction yard at night. Very smart idea. <laughs> and I ran into a big pile of gravel. <laughs> Oh, so I just no. ran straight into it because I couldn't see like the headlights go you know so far. And so I just ran into it and I completely wiped out. And wow. there's like a guy off in the distance, probably like smoking, like a smoke break. And he was like, I just hear off in the distance. Are you OK? Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And I was looking <laughs> back to that moment, like if I just saw some dude just completely eat shit on his uh, motorcycle or moped and he's like, oh, I'm fine. I wouldn't believe him. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, right. So like I hitting something, hitting anything on a two wheeled vehicle. Yeah, you're, you're going to spill and no one spilled. So, yeah, that scene was a little I even rewound it. I was like, did I miss something? So did I. That's <laughs> happening. And I was like, okay, this isn't explained, but I, it's just inferred. And it's like, if you're going to kill off a main character like that, we have to see that the audience has to see, you know, what happened to this person visually and not like, oh, they died. Anyways, I'm mad now. <laughs> uh, on that note, I guess you could say that they had like axes and stuff and they just drove past her maybe. But then the kid you know, how the kid die? Because the kid's small and you're on a motorcycle. You'd have to be really accurate. I don't know. I guess we're getting really too, we're, we're too technical, too technical on the, how did the kid and the wife die? Yeah. <laughs> I just like how they refer to him as Sprog the entire time. He doesn't have a name. <laughs> it's, I thought that was his actual name. Apparently that's Australian slang for child. Oh, 
I'm going to start calling kids that. (laughs) Wow. Like, hey, kid. That's my kid. What's his name? Kid. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Weird story. But in in Florida once, I saw some people in a bus with their kids and they would refer to their kids as brother and sister. Like, tell brother that you're going to get him in the candy. And then it's like, sister, your brother is talking to you. But they wouldn't say their actual names. They just kept saying brother and sister. And I was like, whoa, this is uh, weird. <laughs> that is a little odd. Yes. They have names, right? That's <laughs> that's pretty. That, that's. I don't want to be disparaging. Yeah. <laughs> that's some redneck shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it wasn't. <laughs> oh, my um, God. That is. That's pretty weird. Like. I understand like calling. Mom, dad, tell brother that's like, what? Is this brother bear? Like, what's happening? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless their name's actually that, I guess no judgment, right? Um, that would no. be insane. <laughs> name your children an actual name, please. Yeah. You hear that, Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but he likes yeah. SR71. He wants to name his kid after that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, But getting back into the film. So let's uh, go into full spoilers now. So, I mean, we talked about um, (laughs) his, his, um, his partner getting killed. And then we talked about his wife and son dying off screen, pretty important characters to just have die off screen. And so these are like the origin stories of like how like a, a mild mannered man by the end of the film has went into, you know, the descent into darkness to become, you know, his, well, we know him in Fury Road, um, this renegade uh, that has almost no emotions. While in this film, he's very human. He's a very human character. And I was so thrown off by that. I was like, one, like we said earlier, this world is still intact. It's not fully destroyed yet. Like there's still a semblance of civilization. And Max is... He kind of has it all. He has like a pretty decent job as a patrolman. He has a wife and kids. He has a good relationship with his squad. And then as the film progresses, all of that is taken away. Right. The Even the subplot, uh, like you said, this, this film is a little uh, different than what I expected because the subplot of this is the edge of the end of civilization because gas is almost running out. That subplot right. almost isn't even like there. It's it's more about just hey there's these bikers who are mad about their leader being killed, and that's the the main I'd, I'd say that's ninety percent of it. Mm-hmm. And the whole right. end of the world parts kind of just I, I wouldn't even if you didn't tell me it's the end of the world movie, I would I probably just know. assume it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and that's it. That's the end of it, right? But um, I also want to say that Max is kind of terrible. Like again, going back to treat, talking about his friend being a thing, um, <laughs> he's also not in it for a lot of it, right? Like he's. He's in it, but I would say that like the first forty five minutes are more about his friends, the cops, right? Yeah, Goose, and it's more about world building. Yeah, and then the last half is Max, like I said, going on a on a you know on a downhill to to become mad. Um, to become mad. <laughs> to become mad. I do want to point out that at the beginning there is so there's a lot of good hair, horror elements of this. I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't say that it's like a full horror movie, but I like the eye popping out of the guy. Uh, was it Knight Rider at the beginning when he's about to crash? His eyes. If you pause it, his eyes bulge, bulge out, out of his skull, and then they use that same effect at the end when Toe Cutter dies. They, it's it's more apparent there because they pause a little more on it, but his eyes are out of his skull, and it's so nasty. <laughs> It's a very visceral flash imagery. I noticed that. I was like, 
we don't get this type of filmmaking uh, nowadays where it's just like real body horror of like people just distorting their, or I guess contorting their bodies in a weird way. And it's like, oh, this guy can bulge his eyes out. Let's get a close up of that and then intersplice it before he like crashes his uh, motorcycle. Right. I also think that the villains, uh, Knight Rider, right, and Toe Cutter are not that villainous. Like they they really didn't put up that much of they a fight. They seem just like agents of chaos for the sake of chaos. And when it comes down to it, they really don't have anything in them <laughs> to put up a fight. Because Knight Rider at the beginning, right? He's like the leader of the uh, of the gang, and they're like Knight Rider, Knight Rider, and he's given this whole monologue about how he's Knight Rider and the Knight Rider has come, and it's like this <laughs> sermon about the Knight Rider. But the Knight Rider, all he's doing is like driving away and not actually fighting back. He's, he's mistreating that girl in the in the passenger seat. He's just he just seems like a shitty dude and not really a impressive villain. <laughs> and then he just starts crying at the end and he's like, oh, I don't know, it's all over. I've lost it all. And then the girl's like, What are you talking about? You're the night rider. You were just preaching about it for like five, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if the you know, gang only knew. <laughs> that gang, like it's so they're so comically weird. And it's like, I get it, it's a film. But it's like, like you said, they don't really feel villainous, um, even though they do like pretty, pretty bad um, actions throughout this film. Mm-hmm. The vibes I kept on getting with their characters was this felt like the Wild West if it was today in modern uh, society, because like you have this lawless um, land in Australia and like everything is normal, and then you have these uh, troublemakers swooping in on their motorcycles. Could have been horses back in the day, and they're just like, you know, just doing whatever they want. Agents of chaos, like you said, Vivi. Like, did you get those vibes at all? Yeah, this could totally be the '79, your 1979, or it could be today. Um, I think just putting it in the middle of nowhere gives it that right. They're, the villainy of the gang like you said they do do horrible things and i do want to point out that in this film you know essay spoiler or uh, not spoiler alert, content warning essay in movies lately i feel like is and in general i guess uh is becoming too adventurous with what they show and what they don't and that makes it sound like prudes but i think that you know implied sometimes works better than actually forcing it on the viewer and here you see it you know that it happened but i don't think it's like shoved in your face like hey um, be disturbed because this is what happened, you know? Yeah. I've also have felt that trend in movies be very odd where it's like, it's almost gratuitous and you don't know why the director is shoving this sexual assault scene in your face for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but I'll have to say that the, the gang is villainous and they do do horrible things, but the stakes, like you said, they just seem like some just random dudes that were hired to fight for the big bad and the big bads the big bad doesn't really have a difference from the rest of them he's he could easily be one of the other one of the rest right like you could easily just swap the leader for one of the others and you'd get the same effect because the villain the main villain just isn't that impressive like he's got the eyebrows sure (laughs) (laughs) he's got the hair for it yeah (laughs) but i mean they didn't seem too great like okay they set this picture that there's this police force that, you know, they go back to the halls of justice and then they're talking about the last V8 engine and they seem very mm-hmm. impressive. You're impressed with, okay, these guys are superheroes. They keep talking about superheroes. The world needs heroes. 
these guys don't seem like villains that need to be put against heroes as um <laughs> you know as grand as they put it these guys just seem like grunts minions um to something bad that right. never comes yeah yeah you know you're absolutely right like you don't have wonder woman or spider-man fighting just random a group of random thugs you know they go after you know the joker they go after lex luthor the guy that's in charge of the henchmen and you're totally right like this film if it's in comic book terms like the main villain was like a lieutenant of the henchmen like he wasn't like the main bad guy um i every, every time i kept on looking at the main villain of this film toe cutter he felt like meatloaf from the rocky horror picture show uh if they took his character and just planted him in uh mad max world it's like <laughs> this guy is like i said comically strange um but he doesn't have that menacing um like uh persona to him um he's just kind of like a really bad nuisance uh for mad max yeah he hisses he uh he says things and he's in control, obviously, but uh, I don't I don't know that he's necessarily intimidating. <laughs> the thing that like, I mean, I get it's for, <clears throat> excuse me, I get it's for furthering the plot, but Max is a police officer and he is aware that this gang is searching for his wife. I think I would just go out there with the shotgun as soon as I saw them. I don't get the whole running away constantly. Like, we are in a world where violence is everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it goes against his character, but I think I would just also make my wife keep a gun on her at all times. So that's where I think the the budget comes into play, right? Because like he was talking about how, like, the, the villains don't really pose, a, uh, like, a direct threat when Max is in his car or the police are in their cars. They just do these very high-octane speed chases. Mm -hmm. And that's that's, like, how people die, right? They just mm -hmm. die in a crash, but... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why wouldn't the police force have guns? Why wouldn't the villains have guns to shoot back? There's literally a moment where I think Toe Cutter's like, I hate guns. When the older woman pulls one on them and locks them in the shed. A little old woman. The true hero of the movie. Yes. Got the upper hand on them. And this police officer couldn't. <laughs> okay. I have a theory. This is my theory. Going with the theme of low budget. Because like that crucial scene where... The bike, uh, the bike gang is like trying to hunt down uh, Man Max's wife. The old lady, 
defends her farm, uh, his wife, with a shotgun. And what does Mad Max do to pursue the villains? He takes that shotgun. That is the only gun in the entire movie. So uh-huh. did they They only had the budget for one gun? <laughs> that would make because sense. Because the Viking doesn't have guns. Mad Max doesn't really have a gun uh, throughout the film. Like We don't really see it in use. It's just that one rifle that I distinctly remember in this film. So they just had access to one rifle. Yeah. I don't know if it goes into the rest of the movies because I haven't seen the follow-ups. I've just seen clips of them, but... Is it? It's a post-apocalyptic world where gas is running out, but so are guns. <laughs> <laughs> Let's write that into the story just because we can only have one gun in the first one. You know, that's also what I find funny about this. It's a world where gas is running out. So you know what you do? You drive all your cars and motorcycles all the time that's as why fast as you can. That's why they're running out of gas. Everyone, <laughs> the way they're driving? Yes. <laughs> everyone's just flooring it <laughs> when there's no other cars around. <laughs> Truly. I actually just tweeted about that uh, a couple of days ago because I I always think it's just so funny when people in muscle car I love muscle cars I you know I'm a fan of cars not the not the biggest but I always think it's so funny when people floor it at a red light and their car is like you know making so much noise but they go absolutely nowhere like the car doesn't even yes. take off they're going like five miles an hour I'm like dude what what are you doing the gas isn't cheap right now <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually a Honda Civic doing it. Yeah, yeah. They cut them off. It's like it's not even body. like a performance car. It's like <laughs> <laughs> this uh, from the nineteen ninety five Honda Civic. It's like <laughs> it's like thirty miles an hour. It's like wow. Oh my god, I'm so impressed. Whoa. Wish my car was like that. What? Wow. Let's make the the head cannon that they just watched Mad Max at home, and now they're out in their cars trying to mimic it, trying to relive it. Yeah. <laughs> Can we have Mad Max? We have Mad Max at home. Mad Max at home. <laughs> the Honda Civic. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, I'm glad I don't. Ha- I, I'm glad someone else has that sentiment because, like, every single time I see it happen, I'm like, I would be impressed if it was like a. Actually, no, because like this happened once. Um, I was out uh, with some friends, and this McLaren went by, and it was really loud. Ooh. And like, my friends were like, "Oh my god." I feel bad for that guy's dick. And someone was like, at least he has a dick. Like, damn. <laughs> so it's like, either way, you're going to come off as a douchebag. You really right. are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the guys in here are just actually douchebags and doing it. You know, <laughs> they're trying to be douchebags. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about this film with the cars is, did you see that? I don't know where Knight Rider's car has like nitrous and flames coming out the back. And I thought, yes, okay, these are, at the end of the film, right? Uh, well, at the beginning, I don't know about the end. I, I didn't catch it at the end. But Knight Rider, before he crashes oh, right. into that, uh, you know, whatever it was that was in the way. When the car spins out of control, there's like a flame coming out the back. And I was like, what? When did the nitrous get in the, come into play? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was that car, maybe another car like busted through. It looked like a trailer uh, oh, yeah. of this truck. Um, yeah, I noticed that it was like rocket engines in the back yeah. of this car. And I was like, that's the only instance where we see that type of propulsion in these vehicles. So it's like, maybe George Miller, I can see what he was trying to do, especially with like the later films, um, where these people are like, the car is like super tricked out and like, um, kind of like held together with like duct tape and like all these pipes going all over the place. So it's like truly like this machine that they're 
that they're taming. Um, but like with the budget of the first film, it's like we can only do that with one car, kind of. <laughs> and the, one and the other cars, it's like, yes. <laughs> and then with the other car, especially Mad Max's red pickup truck, just put stickers on it. Stickers <laughs> of like spaceships. It's like, OK, this is good enough. <laughs> yeah people will know it's from the future right it's got spaceships on it <laughs> um there's that one motorcycle like, the only one that is actually tricked out did you see it the one with the girl in the pod the guy drives yeah. off yeah like this sleek i liked it i thought it was pretty <laughs> cool but it's sleek like uphill did you, you, you saw it right mm-hmm. i was like when i saw it i was like i'm gonna put vivi on one of those because <laughs> Vivi doesn't want to get on my motorcycle with me and i was like maybe if we have like a sidecar and it looks like this <laughs> i will get on she'll do it yeah <laughs> That's funny. That is so cool. Like that was like sidecars are cool as is. There's just something about them. Um, but like that one in the film where it's like enclosed and it becomes like <laughs> almost like a spaceship submarine. Yeah. R2D2 looking thing. <laughs> Astromech droid. And it's like that is I've never seen anything like that. And it's so strange. It's strange <laughs> enough to make it fit into this like almost apocalyptic world it's like if it had if the film had more of that going on where it's like things that are just kind of otherworldly uh it would have been enough to transport the viewer into like oh this is like like a strange world instead of oh this is australia yeah i i do also like how you know because we keep talking about how the characters are so weird and and like just so funny and strange and they don't make sense but i think it helps that idea that in a world like this everyone is crazy mm-hmm. everyone is just so odd and strange and dealing with whatever they they do that some have gone mad <laughs> and others are just trying to avoid the people who are mad and um one one scenario is like the the fight in the the courtyard of the halls of justice like you see so many different personalities just arguing with each other not saying anything that matters like fifi they're uh I think he's like the leader, right? Yeah. With the mustache. Yeah. He's got the he's got his plants and Max is there to quit and Fifi's like, Oh, just ah, don't you're you're lying to me, right? You'll be here in two weeks and he's got this like whole personality around him. I feel like you get to see each of the characters more than in a lot of other movies that you're just kinda like, Who is this guy? I don't really know anything about him. Why is he so weird? In this one you get a window into each of the characters and why yeah. they're weird and how they're weird and they're you know It's not explained. It's just like thrown in there. Yeah. Fifi was like the Mad Max version of uh, Dum Dum Dugan, if you're familiar with Marvel Comics to me. Uh, he's got the big orange or uh, the, the the big red mustache and he's a leader, but he's also kind of odd. I think he's an android in Marvel now, but mm. <laughs> uh, Fifi would kind of play that role for me. And then you got that one kid who in the middle of the movie got thrown in. I feel like he's like the nephew or kid to some rich guys, right? Because they're like, we're going to sue you. And then he ends up joining the biker gang and it becomes that storyline for that kid who doesn't want to be a part of the biker gang, but he kind of does. You know, the one uh, that he gets tied at the end. Oh, no, oh, that's yeah. a Johnny Boy or something. And he's like kind of an apprentice to Toe Cutter and stuff. He's kind of already involved, isn't he? But there's a weird plot in the middle. I might have just misunderstood, but there's a weird plot in the middle where he's there with like a photographer and like the newspapers, I thought. Th- those are his lawyers. Right. Like he's yeah. an official kid in this post-apocalyptic world that it gives you this impression that, okay, there is still some, some normalcy. To yeah. The Cause they're talking about the courts and how no one showed up to testify against him. So he had to be let go. No one showed up to testify <laughs> him because there's not enough budget for it. it that's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
I also just enjoy that so many of the characters have Australian accents, except Mel Gibson. Yeah. Like very clear, the American actor here is is Mel Gibson American. I I this movie made me think he's either Australian or or British or something. I'm pretty sure he's American. Yeah. I think this was the role that made him like an international star. Mm. But he is it, American. It, he was born in New York. Ah, yeah. okay, gotcha. See, I thought he was Australian too because Mad Max is you know the most famous Australian uh, <laughs> film. Um, so I just figured, oh, he's Australian. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know he was American either. But yeah, him talking didn't have an Aussie accent at all. No. So with Mad Max, I wish there was more interaction with his squad because like. Like you were saying, Eric, like we get a window into each one of his uh, teammates, his characters, but like not enough. And I feel like this film would have been stronger if he was with that squad more. Like the squad was more of a unit uh, that went on these cases. And by the end of the film, for example, they could have all died. And he's like the lone survivor and he could have been mad. Like if you just tinker with it just a little bit, it would have been in my eyes an elevated film true i think uh to your point if if like every five ten minutes someone from his squad just died and he just got angrier and angrier throughout the movie that would that could have been cool right um like i said the first 45 minutes he spent a lot more time with everyone else than matt uh than max and you know the the only things that drive him over is the the you know the death of his best friend not only things these are pretty big things but uh the death of his best friend and then just the sudden death of his wife and kid but yeah, you're right. Like they should have done incremental just, hey, Max is getting ticked off over and over by this biker gang that it, at the end, it almost seems like they have no real reason to be after him specifically rather than mm-hmm. everyone who is in the police force. Right. Like Fifi could have died. Um, you know, some of the other guys from the beginning could have died and led Max over that edge. Yeah. Like when they introduced the wife in the son character in the beginning of the film, all I had thought about was, well, they're going to die. And then <laughs> Mad Max is going to become Mad Max. And I waited the entire film for that to happen. Like it could have happened in the middle. That could have been like the emotional climax of the film. And then the resolution uh, could have been him seeking revenge on the biker gang that killed his wife and kid. Uh, but all of that happened right in the last 10 minutes of the film. Yep. It's like, uh, did we need 80 minutes to get there? We could have got there a lot sooner, you know? Right. That's probably my biggest issue with this. It was like just watching all the world's building and you're you're sitting there, but you're like, okay, but where is this going? I'm still <laughs> not attached to like one character or the other. I, I don't really follow their storylines. We, we meet the whole squad, yes. And when they start finally targeting his wife, you're like, oh, okay, but we have like, 20 minutes left in this movie. Toe Cutter's death isn't satisfying either. No. And you see Max go all out on Johnny Boy mm-hmm. <laughs> with the, you know, like that, that type of death, right? The, the murder of Johnny Boy, where it's like, here's a saw and the gas will blow up in 10 minutes. You have five to cut your leg off like that. Oh, hey, Max, chill. Like you haven't been this brutal until like the last guy. And the one you should have done this with was Toe Cutter. And all you did was yeah. blow him up. Yeah. And, you know, seeing more of Max be mad. I, I know I keep saying that over and over, but seeing more of that. I think would have amplified this movie. Like it's already fine. Like it's, I don't think it's bad, but it could have been a lot better. Um, pacing wise. Pacing yeah. wise. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was a huge, a huge issue for me was the pacing. It was just weirdly paced where it just wasn't consistent. You had these highs and lows in places where it shouldn't have been. But yeah, I do agree with you that the anger that was taken out on Johnny Boy should have been Toe Cutter. Like Toe Cutter had a satisfying death. Not thematically, not story-wise, but like visually, because like it was cool where he had the motorcycle and he ran into the semi truck, and then they had a dummy. Uh, oh, yeah. run, they ran over the dummy, and I was like, I was cheering. I was like, that's like the best part of the movie. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Like they got a dummy, they crash an actual motorcycle. Um, it was cool, but it wasn't satisfying uh, story-wise. Like the satisfying moment was when Johnny Boy got handcuffed to the leaking car of gasoline and um, uh, Mad Max throwing the the match at the fire. And it's like, you know, he he didn't throw the match. He just had it lit. And eventually the gasoline would catch up to the open flame and then ignite the whole thing. Um, That should have been toe cutter. Like that would have been such a grisly moment, but like also satisfying if the film did what we were explaining, how Toe Cutter kills his wife, and then the, you know he's just trying to seek revenge, and then finally gets his revenge, and it's satisfying, but also it's an anti-hero moment where it's like we shouldn't be rooting uh, for murder, but like it happened any anyways. It's kind of like a Batman moment, and it's like wow, it's it would have. I think Mad Max would have been compared to like Taxi Driver or something. It would have been like this such memorable scene. In cinematic history, but then um, it wasn't because <laughs> right. things were out of order. Yeah, I mean, let Max, you know, do something to Toe Cutter that was, uh, you know, he cut his brake line or something, and you know, Toe Cutter doesn't find out till he's trying to avoid the truck or he messed with his brakes. You know, something that was like Max going on the long run, right, like Batman style, where he's planning ahead. <laughs> and you know he's going to kill these guys in this really brutal way because mm-hmm. he's gone crazy and um to your point of the dummy I, I you know we talked about how the eyes bulge out i wanted to see the eyes like pop out completely once the truck actually ran him over i was like you already have the dummy like you already showed him pop his eyes out because he's like surprised and then the truck runs him over it'd been funny to see like the eyes blow out the anyway that's, Budget. that's the horror me uh, <laughs> horror side of me being like yeah it should have gone more brutal. more gore yeah <laughs> more gore. have the eyes just pop out yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, if David Cronenberg uh, directed this film, he would, <laughs> he would have his head explode, his brain smeared all over the pavements, his eyeballs, 3D movie going out into the audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as cutting goes, though, uh, you know, we said that things were kind of put all over the place. I like how in that montage in the middle, we see, you know, Max and, and Jesse driving around. But did you realize that, like, at no point throughout that montage is was it smog was his name sprog oh sprog um he isn't seen like in any of the actual footage in the middle he's just kind of seen at the beginning of the movie when he's on the table Uh and max is talking watching jesse play the saxophone that kid is like never seen again until they're in that picnic area where they still him from so his parents are way too into each other and do not care about this child they didn't even name him (laughs) and then they got a dog just so that the dog could die i had to rewind it a couple times we're uh we're a dog-friendly podcast. We have our dog, Loki, who comes on and tells us what scared him. And I'd say that that's probably what would have scared him. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's literally that's just brought great. in to be hung and cut up on a tree when Jesse's running through the forest. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty disturbing. Yeah, like, 
there are plenty of moments in this film where I was like, okay, like we're having a film now. This is a movie. It's becoming more of a cinematic experience. And then it's quickly dashed as like weird pacing, uh, weird character choices. And it's like, oh, it's like, it's like kind of like a stop and go movie where it's like, oh, it's getting good. Oh, never mind. Oh, it's getting good. Fade to black. Why, why do we do fade to black? It says, oh, is there commercial for dove soap going to come on like <laughs> that is was... the best way to put it yeah just stop and go you're like oh i'm i'm interested now oh we're we're no longer doing that okay who are these people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the focus is on like a couple for for a while the, i think it's the one that drives away in the in the motorcycle not the ones that are in the van that obviously get taken uh prisoner but we follow this one couple for a minute and i'm like who they don't even play a role in any part of the story other than that they're just running away. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out about <laughs> the story is the stop and go. So had they just not stuck around in the area that they were in, right? Cause like Max is like, we're going to go on vacation. We're leaving. I'm never coming back again. They'd like literally just go around like the, the next town over. That's like, if I was like, Hey, I'm in Chicago, I'm going to I'm gonna run away forever. I'm just going to drive up to Gurney mills where six flags is so like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be found by anyone, but I'm going to just drive 45 <laughs> minutes away. Uh, Starting over. Yeah. The wife is like at a shop and the gang is like, oh, look, there's someone at the shop and they're just all on the beach just hanging out. I think at one point someone comments like, what are they doing? On, what were they doing on the beach? And they're like, oh, they're looking for gas. But you never see that. You never see the gang actually look for gas until they do that, you know, hop over that one truck. That's the only instance of that subplot that you see is them stealing from that's that one. That's the only time you know that gas is a valuable resource in this whole movie. But not really, because right. we see two situations where gas is just wasted. True. <laughs> well, the two obvious ones, I'm not talking about when they're revving their engines. The two, like the one with uh, Goose being lit on fire because they just light his, uh, the fuel that's leaking from his car, his crashed car on fire. But then also uh, Johnny Boy at the end, like they're just ready to just burn gas at every opportunity yeah you think if you were like crashing cars you'd be like hold up let me collect this gas that's pouring out of it if it was a yeah a crazy resource right Right. i'm glad that you bring up the gas because when this film was being made there was an energy crisis in the world um an oil crisis uh where gasoline was actually a pretty hot commodity and gas stations were running out of gas um so i wish the film that was like in the background and i wish it was more in the forefront um because i know it is prevalent in the other films uh, where gasoline is like gold essentially to these people it's currency it's a very hot commodity i just wish the film played with that aspect a little bit more of like i don't know making it more relatable for the user it's like there needs to be something that grounds it and that could have easily grounded it for the viewer it's like ah well we need gas to get around and it's scarce in this world and clearly with the actions of these characters it doesn't seem very scarce if they're like doing donuts uh (laughs) letting gasoline just pour out of their vehicle lighting it on fire it's like pick one yeah or you know it's the thought that because people were being so chaotic, that's why gas is at its uh, near end. But <laughs> I think you could have even played with it in the plot like, oh, you know, this these people are trying to run away from the biker gang. And you could have had like several just mini sequences where the biker gang is showing how terrible they are and people trying to get away. And then the gas always runs out. 
always runs out in their vehicle and that's mm. how they catch up to the people who they're you know they're victims right um yeah you could have had that just be like you know it doesn't have to be the main part of the story you could just be like hey yeah gas is running out uh because everyone's just dying when they run out of gas so don't run out of gas and that's how it turns into gold in the future movies right um to more high stakes people yeah yeah yeah, just like little changes here and there, I think could have made this movie a really good time. And I think it was a pretty big success. I mean, they they went on to make a whole franchise. So I wonder how audiences reacted to this at the time. They probably remembered the last five minutes of this film and was like, <laughs> that was a great movie, right? <laughs> that was insane. Yeah. Mad Max was mad. I, oh, that, so Johnny Boy at the end does the, oh, man, you're so mad. You're so mad, Max. You're so mad. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Like, it sounds like a meme, and I, but it, it just is what they say. You're so mad. You're mad, man. You're crazy. You're judging me, aren't you? I, Johnny Boy's whole thing was like, he didn't want to be judged, right? Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Yeah. His character, again, was odd. Yeah, and then Mel Gibson looks at the camera and says, "It's Mad Max in time," and that's <laughs> yeah. how the movie ends. He's going back to the halls of justice to meet the super <laughs> friends, <laughs> take the shape of a motorcycle. <laughs> it's time to get maxed. <laughs> you know, but to your point, the the movie—I don't know—I didn't see how it did in terms of gross, right? But there are there's Fur- Furiosa that's coming up, right? Uh, George Miller is pretty much known for all of the Mad Max movies. Um, I was looking at his other credits and I was like, George Miller, the creator of all the Mad Max movies and Happy Feet. <laughs> no way. He's the director of Happy Feet. I didn't know that either. Holy shit. Are you serious? <laughs> I was like, is Happy Feet Penguin Mad Max? But with dancing? It's uh. it's obviously a prequel or it's set within <laughs> the Mad Max world where all of human civilization has fallen. But the penguin situation, they're thriving. They're thriving <laughs> in the Antarctic. <laughs> you got one of those uh, conspiracy theories like Pixar, right? Oh, yeah, that they're all connected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? They are all connected. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Happy um, Feet. It's uh, Morton Joe. He's also played by Hugh Burn, <laughs> Toe Cutter. Uh, well, well, you know, in uh, scene thirty-two, you can clearly see uh, Mad Max in the background uh, while Happy Feet's dancing. I didn't notice. It's a little Easter egg. It's actually the car. <laughs> um, but uh, to your point, with the budget of this film it was uh you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it made a hundred million dollars oh man wow that's, that's awesome. a big return with with turnouts like that i always wonder how much of it actually goes back to the people right because i saw that in hiring folks for the movie they had to hire an actual biker gang to act in it and i can't imagine that any of them saw any of those that much million. money yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. They probably got a few thousand. And they're probably happy about it. Yeah, a few thousand and some beers. I think I saw they did pay a few of them in beer. <laughs> I get free beer? Awesome. I'll do your movie. <laughs> yeah. Some, they uh, made how much? <laughs> <laughs> That's when I would be mad. <laughs> Is this the case of PBR? <laughs> <laughs> got a 32-pack of PBR, and the, the director got, you know, $100 million. million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't even get a good beer. PBR than me. 
Wow. Well, that's, that's absolutely insane. Well, are you guys ready to get to the final segments of the show? Sure. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. It's time to get off the fence. So I have a few questions uh, regarding this film. So let's get definitively off the fence uh, with these topics. So my first question for you two, do you think this film resonates in our modern day society? I think it does, especially with the the slight hint of environmental concerns with gas running out. And um, these days, it kind of just feels like our society is also crumbling. So I got to get better at driving, I guess, to run away from bikers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say that if you're lost in the middle of nowhere, this could still happen. You know, it's, it, get rid of the, the you know crazy characters and the out of this world stuff. But I think that, you know, being lost in the middle of nowhere is still a concern for most people. I think if you're not concerned being out, you know, out in the middle of nowhere and running out of gas, because, you know, gas stations are scarce depending on where you go. Sometimes it'll be like 200 miles, no gas station, get gas now. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> my ga- my tank only lasts 200 miles. What are you talking about? Oh my God. Um, you know, I think that that could still work in modern day. Um, the other thing is just, yeah, gas prices are so crazy right now. This is 2022, July. I don't know how it'll be if you're listening in the future. People are going to be like, what? We don't even use gas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All electric cars. Yeah. Um, but I think, it, I think it could work. It's just. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, just take that, I guess, dystopian future piece out of it and the, the bones of it are still applicable. Yeah, it could have been, like... I don't know if you two have seen The Walking Dead, but like they did a prequel series called Fear of the Walking Dead and it showed like the fall happened when the zombie apocalypse started. And Mad Max, the film, could have been like that, but with gasoline. Um, it could have just leaned more into that where society is still intact, still operating, but like there's like chaos bubbling beneath the surface. Like, Things are about to happen and just little subtle nuances, little subtle hints uh, could have worked. Uh, less is definitely more. And 
with this film. Like, I think the subject matter definitely still resonates today with like gasoline being scarce, but like, I wish the film just dived into that a little bit more and kind of, kind of forego the whole like post-apocalyptic stuff that they tried to do. Not very well. Um, They should have (laughs) just had it just be, you know, just, just a town where things are starting to fall apart instead of the world's destroyed, but not really. And it's like, um, what's happening in this world? (laughs) Yeah. Right. I don't imagine that in a world where gas is running out, we get superhero cops as a result, (laughs) you know, (laughs) wearing uh, black leather, uh, highway patrol uniforms, a full leather daddy, just leather Leather daddies just running around watering their plants. Uh, Fun fact on the leather, apparently goose was the only one actually wearing real leather and the rest were wearing, um, like fake oh stuff yeah <laughs> so what a wow odd fun fact because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like Thanks, fifi's be leather jacket looked legit i don't know if just he looks cool but like i thought it was real i thought everyone had real leather that's i didn't know that yeah doesn't look bad i also think it's funny when max is like oh i'm gonna go get revenge i need to go get my spandex i need to get my sexy outfit on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shows up with his nipples uh, pierced. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are they called? Assless chaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the village people. <laughs> you see these piercings? They represent my wife and son. <laughs> Instead of tattoos. Yeah. Oh man! Sorry. I used the pain of the my piercings to to help me drive my my revenge. It's like that's. <laughs> That would have been a different movie. I would That's have. a different type of movie. Yeah. <laughs> it would definitely be mad. Uh, <laughs> so my, my next question is, we saw Mad Max. Does this film inspire you to watch the other ones in the series, The Road Warrior and Into the Thunderdome? So for me, it does. Uh, I don't know if it's simply because I watched Fury Road and now this, and I just want to bridge the gap and see how we got to Fury Road. And like this beginning was so different, and I think they just get crazier and crazier. But that's hindsight and knowing. Let's say I just saw this movie, didn't know anything about plants. Like if I saw it in 1979, I think I'd be like, I'm okay, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I I think I would continue even if I was in like 79. Uh, I think this also led to a lot of just pop culture references that lead back to Mad Max because growing up, I used to watch so many cartoons on Cartoon Network and endless. Just, I felt like every cartoon had endless allusions to at least the third one, like the third, uh, the one that is about the Thunderdome, right? So many other uh, yeah. movies modern uh, to this day, I think also refer back to it. You hear that welcome to the Thunderdome um, mm-hmm. reference all the time. You know, uh, yeah. I'd want to see a, a sequel to that and, you know, follow the, how does this get crazier? Mad Max is finally mad and only saw it in the last five minutes. Where does this go? You know, this film, you know, coming off of Fury Road, it was so jarring. I was like, oh, this is not what I expected at all. Um, but it is the ending of this film where he becomes mad and he's like driving off into the distance as Mad Max. I was like, well, I want to see that movie. It got good at the end. So if uh, Road Warriors like that and Into the Thunderdome, like totally, totally I want to see that stuff. Um, so I suffered through this movie to have the desire to watch uh, the second and third one for sure. Right. 
I wonder with this prequel to, cause I, I was trying to read up after watching this. I, I didn't remember that there was a second and third. And I was like, how does Mad Max from, or yeah, Max from the first, this one, 79 and the Tom Hardy Max, how do they relate to each other? And I think there were previous theories that he was the kid from the second one. I haven't seen the second one, but there's like some feral kid. And they think that Max was that feral kid who saw, who looked up to Max from this one as a hero. And that they say Max is more of like a, like a James Bond thing. It's just an MO. Oh, like just passing person. on the mantle. Yeah. Mm, a title. And yeah, I don't think it's officially been confirmed that it's that. I think uh, George Miller was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun to theorize. Right. And I wonder if the prequels, uh, the Furios uh, and those will tap into maybe like bridging the middle. Yeah. Like how do we get from the Thunderdome to Morton Joe taking all the water, like his gas out and now water's the next gasoline. Right. They're, they're always fighting over some sort of resource, like a resource that we take for granted, like, you know, water, gasoline. So we're going to have oxygen. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, may, may, maybe. Uh, I am looking forward to Furiosa uh, film with Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm just curious how, what that one's going to be about and how that bridges the, maybe it's going to bridge the gap even more so because. It is going to be a prequel to Fury Road, so maybe it's going to bridge the gap even more between Thunderdome and Fury Road. We'll see. Right. Yeah. In that same thought, too, I saw that there's, I don't know if it's the same thing, but in IMDb, there says, it says there's another Mad Max project that's unnamed. It has a 2022 release date. I don't know that it's related to Fury Rosa, and I don't know that it's actually coming out this year. But on the topic of uh, resources we take for granted, I mean, this would be cool to see like another 10 years. Uh, with us trying to go to Mars and you know colonize, to have like a Mad Max in space, and... <laughs> you just go into space. <laughs> yeah, you have motorcycles on Mars and the the resource is oxygen. I don't know. <laughs> if it's done well, it could be good. Um, but I can easily see it becoming like a Jason X situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> it's Jason Voorhees in space. What could go wrong? A lot People of things have... can go wrong people on motorcycles with astronaut helmets and jason <laughs> chasing them yeah jason chasing them yeah the mad max jason Voorhees crossover, crossover that we never asked for <laughs> and then uh, freddy krueger comes in and haunts everyone's dreams yeah we're out of air and dreams <laughs> it's the crossover no one asked for let's do it Gross is one billion dollars. <laughs> we didn't want it, but we didn't say we weren't going to go see it. <laughs> you gotta see this movie; it's insane. It has Freddy Krueger, Jason. It's Mad Max. Also, James Bond shows up. Spider Man. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> Mel Gibson and Tom Hardy play the same guy. We just don't address it. It's just between scenes. It's the two of them playing the same person. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like Mad Max from different dimensions where you have Tom Hardy <laughs> and then you have like this portal and then uh, Mel Gibson comes out. Oh my god, that would be amazing. And then like you would have like this new Mad Max. It could be like I don't know, Tom Holland. Tom from, Holland. Like, <laughs> he's in everything. <laughs> and then you have Tom Hanks just bringing all the Toms. All the Toms. <laughs> <laughs> he's Buzz Lightyear. And Nicholas yeah, Nicholas Cage comes in. <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah. Sorry to derail. We we do this a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. That would have been the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> the next Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So my final question 
for you two. Would you recommend Mad Max 1979 to a friend? Depends on the friend. <laughs> uh, if they don't have issues with pacing and love just action films, yes. I feel like audiences now would receive this movie very differently than back then. Right. True. I think I'd recommend, I would recommend it, but I'd recommend it with the follow-up of, it's kind of crazy and doesn't get good till the end, but stick through it. <laughs> uh, you know, like you said, yeah, I think it depends on which friend. Like, I would go and tell somebody who likes action movies to go watch it. If it was somebody who's like, I don't really like um, sci-fi, futuristic, you know, end-of-the-world movies, I probably wouldn't do it, but yeah, I think I would always preface it with, hey, it's kind of crazy. Don't mind the the really bad parts about it. Get to the end, you know, and th there's there's more, right? Like, if you like the end, there's more. I like how your recommendation has, like, an asterisk, a disclaimer. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't get good until 10 minutes uh, at the end. It's like, <laughs> oh. It's like, can I just fast forward to the end? <laughs> Probably could. Um, could you? I don't know. I guess that's the next question. Is I'm sure there's a YouTube of, like, the ending of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've all seen Fury Road and honestly, I would just tell people to watch Fury Road. Like if you want to watch Mad Max become Mad Max, it's like, here's the movie, but you really only have to see the last 10 minutes of this film to like truly understand what's happening. Um, because like you don't have to go through like, he's a cop and Oh, he has a wife and kids and you don't really see them for 90% of the film. And it's like, he has a partner and partner's dead. And it's like nothing has any stakes to it. Um, there's a few moments where it's like high stakes. Like you actually care about the characters, but then pacing causes it to go away almost instantly. And it's like, just watch Fury Road. You'll have, yeah. if you like action films, just watch Fury Road. You'll have a better time with that. Yeah. Hearing you talk about it also makes me think that it's evolution into Fury Road feels like an evolution also to what they were trying to do to the first one. In that, like I said, you get a lot of the characters being different and crazy and whatever. And I think in Mad Max, the uh, Fury Road, you don't necessarily really care about Tom Hardy. You're, you're, you care about Furiosa. You care about, what's going on with them and their relationship with the Morton Joe and how the people are being treated. And Max is kind of just there. The side character. Yeah. Where this, In his this own felt, movie. Yeah. This felt like the same thing. It was like Max is not really apparent until the end. And that's how the Fury Road felt. Right. But right. they made the characters a lot better in the in Fury Road. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like when I saw Fury Road, you know, I've heard of Mad Max. The legend of Mad Max, and I see it, and I'm like, Mad Max isn't the main character. He's he's more of like the vehicle for the story, and the story is about Furiosa um, getting back at uh, Joe, um, and it was an awesome story, but like that was surprising. And then we have a movie all about Mad Max, and it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Max doesn't get introduced until what 15 minutes in, and he doesn't really do anything in the beginning either. Well, he's in like the first chase scene for like a second and then but he he I'm saying like he doesn't even do anything. Yeah. The guy just crashes into something on accident and that's how Max and took he's care like, of whoops. Him. <laughs> <laughs> even Max is like, "Oh shit, did I do that?" <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh it's it's a proof of concept. It's like I just wonder if the second installment is just an improved version of this story. Right. 
in the third one too. Because I feel like I hear more about Thunderdome than uh, was it Ra- Rage Warriors? Road right? Warriors. Road Warriors. Yeah, I'm bad with names. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe just skip this one. Just skip <laughs> it. Yeah, it's it wasn't like I watched it. and I'm like. Fuck, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to like it. I think that's yeah. why I'm on the edge of like, yeah, I think I'd still recommend it, but it's with the intent that you follow up with the rest. Because I'm I'm one of those people that I don't like not knowing what happened. Um, mm. You know, with a lot of movies, we, we get sequels and they're like indirect sequels to some movie from the 70s. And you're like, well, all right, well I've never seen that one. I got to go watch it because I want to know where, like what led to this, right? That, that part of me is what says, you know, hey, go watch it just so you know. But to your point, I think it could, it could be left out. It could be left to just like go watch the last ten minutes of the movie on YouTube. <laughs> right. It's kind of like a a nice preamble for the series. Like if you're watching Mad Max one now, uh, be you know you're obviously going to watch all of the films. Um, you're not just watching this as a standalone movie. Like you're watching this right before you watch Mad Max two, Road Warrior, and then you know into Thunderdome. So. Like, yeah, I mean, definitely watch it in preparation to the other ones. But, like, if you just want to watch a Mad Max movie alone, as a standalone, Fury Road, 100%. Yep. Yeah, Fury Road is so good. I watched that movie right. so many times when it came out. <laughs> yeah, I saw it once, and I was like, this is this was amazing. It was so cool and loud. It was great. <laughs> This movie was not loud, and it was not exciting. <laughs> okay, guys, are you ready to end the show? Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Mad Max. Please check it out where it is available. And before we go, thank you so much, Vivi and Eric, for coming out to the show. Thanks for having us. It was it was fun. Yeah, it was a grand time. Yeah, we, we loved uh, talking here with you and, you know, <laughs> going on tangents is, is always a great time <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a complete blast to have you guys on um we'll definitely have you guys on again uh in the future but where can our listeners find your podcast so you could follow us pretty much anywhere at shaken not scared pod except twitter twitter shaken scared pod and we're available on all podcast platforms so just choose your favorite one Awesome. Well, yeah, everyone go check out Shaken, Not Scared, a horror podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is Syndicate on Instagram and Letterboxd. Or join the Discord server where you can catch myself along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others at syndicate.com forward slash Discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.